podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two Footed Podcast. It is a wet and windy Tuesday, the 24th of November. We're brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, so do check out all their services at LibertyShield.com. Use my code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. Uh, Two games to wrap up from last night. First of all, we had Burnley against Crystal Palace in what seemed for all intents and purposes, to be a nailed-on, drab, nil-nil affair. But it actually turned out to be quite a decent game of football. Chris Wood put Burnley ahead after eight minutes in what can only be described as an absolute calamity of a goal. There's a, a hopeful ball played right to left by Goodmanson. Coyate makes a mess of it. Jay Rodriguez attempts to flick it into the path of Chris Wood. Miss hits it. But it hits Scott down in the back and falls right into Wood's path. Wood races onto it. Race might be a stretch of what he did, but he ran onto it briskly and uh, finished past Goyat. It was a good goal, a good finish. A great start for Burnley. It was exactly what they needed in this game, given the form that they came into last night with, with only one, oh, sorry, with only two draws from their previous seven games and no victories. This is exactly what Sean Dyche would have wanted when he set his team up. And when you look at the team that he put out, it really is only Jack Cork in for Brownhill away from being their best 11. And that would be the first time this season that they have would have put out that strong of a team. Even with Brownhill in last night, Brownhill's a very good player. That is the best team Burnley have been able to, to put out on the pitch this season. And it's not like they've had mass injuries, but you take out Ben Mee, you take out Cork, you take out Goodmanson, Jay Rodriguez has had some problems, Matt Lowton had had some problems. And because their squad is so small, because they were not allowed to invest in the summer, that really has harmed them. This is Burnley's first win since July. Uh, it in in league league football, so you know it it is a big big moment for them to get this victory. I genuinely think Sean Dyche will be looking at this game as game one of the season. I think he'll look at the last seven games and he will say that's that's preseason. Let's just write all of that off. Let's forget about that. Let's focus in on this win. And the next 30 games, we're playing a shortened season, and all we need to do is stay up. I think that will be his goal. 40 points, 37 more to get from the next 30 games. Not 37 more to get, 35 more to get in truth, but I think that will be his aim. Just stay up. I don't think he'll care about anything else. After that kind of start, safety is the only 
the only priority for them. It was a good game in football. And I do think Palace will probably be a little bit aggrieved to have come away with nothing. I think they'll feel like they deserved a draw. In truth, they probably did. They had some good chances. Michi Batshuayi missed two very good chances. And Christian Benteke did what Benteke does when he came on and missed a sitter. But on the flip side, Burnley also had some other good chances uh, to wrap up the three points. Goodmanson was through one-on-one with the goalkeeper, hit the crossbar. Chris Wood missed a decent chance. All things considered, it's a hard-fought win for Burnley. They will absolutely grasp it with both hands. Dwight McNeil will feel very relieved that Michi Batshuayi maybe didn't bring his finishing boots after a 40-yard backwards pass played the Belgian in. But aside from that, he had a very good game last night. And um, Burnley can just be very, very happy with that win. Palace are in good form. Palace had been a top-half team going into this weekend. So all things considered, it's, it's a really good win for Burnley. Gets them off the you know, the path of no victories. It was three teams, them, West Brom and Sheffield United. And you you did sort of look at fixtures and say, well, given the form they're in and, you know, given the form the opposition is in, that's going to be a hard game. This one's a hard game. Where's the win coming from? They finally get it. And they get it in in, in decent fashion uh, against a good team. You know, so it's just West Brom and Sheffield United now. Both of whom, remember, have played a game more than Burnley as well. So while Burnley do only have the five points and are four points off Brighton, they do have a game in hand on Brighton. It is against Manchester United, so you wouldn't expect them to win it. But United haven't exactly been been good this season. Um, but yeah, I mean, Burnley will be happy. Palace, they'll be a little bit disappointed, but I think if you'd told Palace, look, you'll be 11, you'll be in 11th place on 13 points after... Uh, nine games. I think they would have taken it, you know, at the start of the season. Uh, we know what Hodgie's about. We know what he wants. Um, 13 to 14th place in and around the 42 points. Nice and safe. No drama. That's what Hodgie wants. That's where Palace are heading this season. Nice work if you can get it. Um, second game of the evening was uh, Wolves playing host to Southampton. And if you were to look at the just the raw numbers from this game, you might think that it was an entertaining affair, but in truth, it really wasn't. Uh, Wolves, interestingly, did line out in a 4-3-3, uh, which is, I think, the first time since they got promoted that they haven't played a back three. Uh, Connor Cody was out due to COVID. Having to, he had to isolate because he'd come in contact with somebody with COVID. Um, they, it, the decision to play the back four didn't really make sense to me, if I'm being honest. Because Leander Don, Dendonker could easily play Connor Cody's role. So you could have stuck with your normal back three. But he made the change. He played Semedo and Aitnuri as out-and-out fullbacks. I actually think both of them played quite well in this game. I do really like both of them. Um... He brought Adama back into the team, which was key, but they were still just really dull. Wolves had 20 shots during this game, nine of which were on target. 
But if you go back and actually look at the chances, or if you look at the the XG for the chances, only Neto's goal, which we'll get to, and the Dendonker chance, which comes back to him off a set piece, are decent chances. Everything else is kind of a scruffy half chance, a pot shot from range, uh, a header from a corner. Wolves are very, very reliant on set pieces and long-range efforts. There's not a whole lot of creativity. And that's a concern for a team that has Adama Traore, Joe Moutinho playing, that they're struggling to create open play chances. Raul Jimenez didn't really have a good opportunity in the game last night. Southampton came into the game in really good form. They came in full of confidence. And it it, it showed in how they played. They didn't have any hesitation in trying to establish how they were going to play last night. We were watching two teams that are very, very well coached have very, very specific tactical instructions. But Southampton's plan was very much to control the game, whereas Wolves' Wolves' plan seemed more like containment. It seemed like they set out for a draw. Now, I could be wrong, but that genuinely seemed like how they set out last night. Southampton went, went ahead early in the second half. Uh, Theo Walcott... Uh, tapping home from a good cross by Che Adams. It was Walcott's first goal for Southampton in the Premier League since I think like 2005. So nice of his career, nice for his career to come full circle. He did miss a sitter a little bit later. Um, Again, Che Adams played him in really well. Adams had quite a good game last night. Him and Jenepo linked up well at times. Uh, I thought Armstrong played well. And I thought Southampton continued to look decent defensively. I thought Bednarak and Vestigard dealt well with Jimenez. Bertrand did very, very well against Adama. And Kyle Walker-Peters dealt with Daniel Pedence very easily. Pedence was basically a non-factor for large periods of the game. Wolves did get a goal late on. Uh, Raul Neto in the 75th minute uh, with a tap-in after Jimenez hit the post from a 20-yard shot. And it, it's tough to say that they deserved the draw, to be honest. I thought the lack of ambition that Wolves showed was, was strange at home against a team that they should be looking to beat. You know, Southampton are, are obviously doing very well this season, but Wolves should be looking to beat Southampton at home. Um, as I said, like just a, a lack of creativity... A lack of desire to, or, or adventure maybe. Adventure seems like the better word. Um, very, very reliant on set pieces. And the set piece delivery wasn't very good either. So, all things considered, I think Southampton can consider themselves unlucky not to have taken three points. Um, they're now fifth in the league. And again, if you handed them that at the start of the season, they would have been delighted. Wolves will sit ninth, and I don't think they'll be too happy at all with that. I think they'll be even less happy with the fact that they've only scored nine goals. 
Uh, only three teams have scored less. That would be Burnley, West Brom and Sheffield United. Uh, Fulham and Arsenal have scored the same amount. And, you know, Fulham are where they are. And Arsenal are massively underwhelming this season in terms of their their attacking output. It was an interesting weekend. I think we saw we saw some really good football for sure. I think we saw two teams establish themselves as the standout teams of the season so far in Tottenham and Liverpool. I think Chelsea are, are going to be tested a lot more in the coming weeks. They've had an easier run of it than than the others. They've got Spurs up next, so that will be a big test for them. Everton got themselves back on on track after three successive defeats. That will please Carlo. It will please the players. Big blow for Villa, losing Ross Barkley and losing at home to Brighton. Uh, That's something that they'll have to, you know, get back on track with next week. They won't. They won't want to lose uh, another one in in such a short space of time. United get a win, but still don't impress in the Premier League. Still, just that game against Everton and twenty minutes against Newcastle. David Coote will have massive questions to answer, I would imagine, at some point in the coming days. Manchester City continue to massively disappoint in the Premier League this season. Thirteenth place, twelve points from their eight games, losing ground on Liverpool and Tottenham. Even if they were to win their game in hand, which Again, as I've said previously, it's not a given. They play Aston Villa in that game in hand. That is not a given by any stretch. But if they win that game in hand, they'll only be in seventh place. I tell a lie, they'd be in eighth place on goal difference. They'd actually be below Villa on goal difference. And they'd be five points off the top. And you don't want to start having big gaps appear between yourself and the teams you're challenging with at this point in the season, because they'll get harder and harder to to claw back. So for City, they're going to need to turn things around quite quickly. They need to get Aguero back in that team. They need to get Sterling back in that team. They need to figure a way out that De Bruyne is not getting man-marked every game and that he can have more influence. Whoever's playing that that other attacking midfield role, be it Phil Foden, be it Bernardo Silva, they need to up their game massively. Brighton get a big win. Brighton will be very, very happy with that win. Fulham miss yet another penalty, and that is the story of their season so far. They could easily have double the points they have now, and while it would only mean they'd be one position higher in the table, they would be closer to the main pack. We are starting to see a little bit of separation between the bottom four and the rest, though Burnley's win will help, and if they win their game in hand, that will put them back in contact with Brighton. Uh, but then Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield United will be left adrift. Fulham have a win. They should have another one. West Brom and Sheffield United, I mean, it's just been unfortunate so far. West Brom robbed of at least a point at Old Trafford, should have beaten Chelsea. Sheffield United, in truth, deserve very, very little from this season so far. Decent performance at the weekend, first one in a while. But the one point they have, they didn't deserve. And it is really hard to see how they turn things around from here. Um, Nine weeks in, almost, you know, well, pretty much a quarter of the season. At the halfway point of the next game, 
we will be a quarter of the way through the season. That is a big, big chunk. Teams will need to sort it out fairly quick. Um, We'll wrap up with some news. We had the wonderful and bizarre news that Alan Pardew has been appointed as technical director of CSKA Sofia in Bulgaria. Um, A bizarre appointment for many, many reasons, but the two that stand out are, well, number one, Alan Pardew has never been a technical director, um, so I'm not sure he is qualified to do that job. And, And number two, is he going to move to Sofia? Is Alan Pardew going to go and live in Sofia? Because if he's not, then he can't do the job. That's not a job you can just phone in. He is going to have to go and live in Bulgaria to do that job properly. He is married. He has two daughters. He will have to bring his family or he will have to leave them and commute back and forth when he has days off. But Alan Pardew, it's it's strange to me. He's only 59 and... He hasn't had a, a job in England since 2018. He's somehow fallen off the carousel of average managers who continually get jobs, you know, because they've had jobs before. Um, the last time we saw him, he was flailing around in, in the Netherlands doing quite badly. Um, that was having flailed around at uh, West Bromwich Albion and done very badly. So it, 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 it's just an interesting one to see. What What is he going to do? Is he going to take that job seriously? Is he going to move over there, throw himself into it full time, or is he going to phone it in? Um, Pep Guardiola wants Manchester City to target Jack Grealish, having identified the Aston Villa and England midfielder as his top target in a planned rebuild. Uh, I saw this yesterday. I also saw the price that was mentioned. Of a hundred million, and I all I can do is laugh because it's nonsense. I mean, there's just there's just no way you spend a hundred million on Jack Grealish. It's just utter nonsense. Grealish doesn't really make sense for City, unless they're planning to sell Kevin De Bruyne, because where where is he going to play? Jack Grealish plays either on the left wing or as a number ten. He's not going to play as a number eight in the Premier League. We've seen him tried before. It's failed miserably. He needs to play either left wing or as a number 10. You're not playing with a number 10, and if you are, it's going to be Kevin De Bruyne, and he's not the type of left winger that City need. What City need is someone that can actually stretch the play. They need somebody with pace. It's what makes them effective. One of the great things De Bruyne does is that switch ball from right to left that unleashes whoever's playing left wing, be it Sterling, Ferran Torres in recent weeks, Sané when things were going very well. What's that ball going to do for Grealish? He's just going to slow it down, cut it back inside, try and beat a man. It's it's just it's a bad fit, and the idea of spending $100 million on Jack Grealish is just laughable. For what? For scra- scraping survival last season? For a decent, like a well, a good run of form this season. Nonsense. Manchester City's ten-year plan for Barcelona's Argentine forward Lionel Messi 
could include a move to New York. It would want to include a move to New York and a move to Melbourne and a move to wherever else you've got clubs if you're going to have a 10-year plan for the man. He's got about two to three years that he's going to be able to play in the Premier League. Um, West Brom have held talks with an American consortium over a 150 million takeover. I know that a lot of West Brom fans aren't all that happy with the current ownership, so I mean, maybe it would be beneficial to them. Um, the Burnley takeover seems to have gone very quiet. And you would wonder if this, who, who this consortium are, well, who's behind them, what the money's like, how much money they're going to have to invest is the most important thing. And, you know, are they fit and proper? Are they, are they capable of running a Premier League football club? Manager Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer insists Dean Henderson wants to stay at Manchester United amid reports that the 23-year-old could leave on loan. Well, see, he could want to stay and he could leave on loan. Both things could be true. Uh, leaving on loan doesn't mean he's leaving the club. He's just going to play somewhere for six months. And I would bet he wants to go play somewhere for six months so he can get himself in the England squad um, and make a case that he should start over tiny arms. Chelsea boss Frank Lampard says France forward Olivier Giroud, who is seeking a move in order to secure first-team football before next year's Euros, is an important player and insists he wants him to stay at Stamford Bridge. He was an important player last season um, where he took Tammy Abraham's spot for the second half of the year. But, I mean, this season he's played four games in the Premier League. Seven in all competitions. Don't think he's that important to you, Frank. Um, Chelsea are hopeful Giroud will stay but will not stand in his way. If he chooses to leave, he is going to choose to leave. Even if he just left on loan, it would be an improvement for everybody. The Football Association is to fast-track trials of concussion substitutes in this year's FA Cup. This is something I have been calling for for years. Um, I don't think concussion substitutions should count towards your three towards your three substitutions I think it should be separate I think when we have a head injury in the game there should be an independent doctor on the sideline not somebody linked to either club an independent doctor who makes the decision because if you leave it in the hand of the player he's going to insist he's fine we saw Hugo Lloris get knocked clean unconscious at Goodison Park a couple of years back when he ran into Romelu Lukaku's knee clean unconscious and he insisted on playing on and Pochettino let him play on because managers don't always have their players best interests at heart and players always want to play so an independent doctor needs to make the decision it also takes out the possibility that you know when a team have made their three substitutions and maybe someone pulls up a little bit lame, that they might fake a head injury. If the doctor can assess them, make the decision for them. And like I say, it shouldn't count towards your three substitutions. Uh, Real Madrid have not received any offers for their Spain midfielder Isco, who has been linked with Manchester City and Arsenal. If Isco comes to the Premier League, put your money on Everton. Do not put your money on Manchester City or Arsenal. Uh, Borussia Dortmund are ready to renew their interest in Christian Eriksen. 
having been linked with the 28-year-old former Tottenham player earlier in the year. Doesn't really make a bunch of sense for Inter Mil- for, for Dortmund, if I'm being completely honest. I'm guessing that is just nonsense that the um, Italian media have made up. It just doesn't make sense for them. Uh, Wolves boss Nuno Espirito Santo is positive that goals will start to arrive from all areas. Easing the pressure on top scorer Raul Jimenez. You would want to start getting your team playing in a more adventurous manner. A more positive manner. Because at the minute, they're not. They're just really defensive. I mean, Wolves spent a lot of money in the summer. I know they brought in a bunch of money as well. But when you consider they spent about $80 and committed about another 35 to the future transfers of Vitania and Rayane Nuri. That's a lot of money. And they're worse this season than they were last season. You know, how many of the players they signed this summer are starters now? Semedo and Ait Nuri coming in for Doherty and Johnny Otto. For sure, they're more talented players, and in six months, they'll be better players better fits, but now, right now, they're not better players in the Wolves system. Specifically, the Wolves system. In a vacuum, yes, they're better players. In the Wolves system, they're both downgrades because Doherty was super important to how they played. Everything ran through him. Johnny Otto, defensively, a more important piece than um, than Nate Nuri is right now. Gave them that more that bit more balance, allowed Doherty to to fly forward. The right side centre back could cover across. Otto would swing in and become part of the back three. Eight Nuri doesn't really offer that. That's not something that's part of his game. He's much more of an attacking fullback, and he's going to be fantastic. I think Kiana Hoiver is going to be fantastic. I think uh, Fabio Silva, the kid they spent a ton of money on, is going to be a really good player. And I do like the looks of Vitania. But I think they spent a lot of money and got worse this summer. And as I said, I know they brought in money for Jota and for Doherty. But still, he spent a lot of money. You didn't address your weakness, of which was that centre-back group. And you've gotten worse. It's a strange, strange situation from Wolves. The moves didn't really make a whole lot of sense at the time. They make sense when you stand back and look at who the agent for pretty much all the players is. Uh, the same man who shall be awarding himself the agent of the century at um, an awards show put on by his own company, uh, voted on, I would imagine, by him, where he is nominated himself, along with Mina Riola, uh, Pini Zahivi, and I think Jonathan Barrett is in there as well. Um, yeah, I mean, Mendes does Mendes things. It's it's strange, and Wolves are a little bit too far down the rabbit hole with him, I think, for the good of the club. Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has told Anthony Martial he cannot rest on his laurels after a difficult start to the new season. I mean, fair, but there's a lot of other... There's a lot of other players at United resting on their laurels to be to be polite to them. Um, in fact, I would suggest maybe the whole squad are resting on their laurels. 
Um, Ollie's the one that needs to get his get his game together. I mean, it's him that sets the team up. It's him that's meant to get them ready, get them motivated. It's him that sends them out in the field, and we see what they serve up. Uh, QPR will again look to bring in a centre-back and send Republic of Ireland under-21 defender. Connor Masterson out on loan when the transfer window opens in January. Connor Masterson, former Liverpool defender. Uh, a little bit raw at this point. A League One loan would probably do him some good. QPR are always doing something, though. There's always a move. There's always, this guy's out the door and we'll bring in this guy and, you know, that will make us better in this area. But then what about this area and that other area? And we were doing something over there. And they're just a very strange club that never, ever seem to just settle down. They never, ever seem to have um, any kind of continuity at the club. Uh, that's it. That is the show for today. Um, I'll be back tomorrow. Um, not sure what we'll be discussing tomorrow as of yet, but we will be discussing something, believe me. Um, thank you, as always, to Foxhunt for the title music. Thank you to Guy Drinkle, who's not had the best of days, trying to piece this one together for me. Uh, I've had a, a day of talking over myself, chewing my own tongue, and generally stumbling over every second word. So thank you to Guy, and thank you to you for listening. I will see you tomorrow. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.